Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Undiscovered Decade, uh, a podcast where we look back at the 1990s and try to discover some of the hidden gems that we left behind, that we never got to see, that we'd forgotten about. Uh, this month, we're taking a look at the career of Bruce Willis a little bit by looking at one of his really undersung comedies, uh, right about this point in 92 he was taking on a lot of dramas we mentioned him back in november when we covered billy bathgate but uh he was pretty much trying to do uh, action films and dramas like the the third die hard would come up in a few years that was what he was known for now he he'd left his moonlighting days behind but with this uh the the film for july 92 death becomes her uh he he found or rediscovered a new passion for comedy I think that he might have lost when he tried to do Hudson Hawk and that sort of bond I think I think Bruce has a really good pension for comedy I think he's playing off of his two co-stars Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn really well I I wish he'd done more comedy and he just sort of fell into the John McClane stereotype he probably got typecasted I and he got money for it so i'm sure he liked doing it and got the money for it but well there was a there was a time in the 2000s maybe late 90s where he swore off action movies but he could only get money by doing action movies sure. and like you said he started off in moonlighting so that's like a that was a uh like a faux sitcom and uh he was basically mugging for the camera making quippy remarks so this is kind of like his screwball farce, this mm-hmm. movie. And have you I, seen Moonlighting, any of you? I've seen a couple episodes. Okay. I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never watched it. He's got sharp comic timing with uh, Simple Shepherd. Mm-hmm. But uh, this honestly, this is one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances. I, this is him actually being an actor instead of being very stoic and monosyllabic like he is in some of the action movies where he just his whole performance is a thousand yard stare mm-hmm. this is him actually inhabiting a character yeah he, he definitely uh he's definitely not his normal normal uh tropey self uh given his record at this point yeah definitely uh you know this this film achieved cult classic status uh not only because of just the ridiculous over-the-top nature of it but like Bruce Willis is very much a um, Brad type from Rocky Horror. Yeah. And, like if Seymour was into like plastic surgery instead of plants, like mm-hmm. that's kind of like that Meek Shell Inherit vibe for the most part, but it's still a little, little ineffable. Yeah. Who are they? Fall off a nerd. Yeah. I think it's like Bruce Willis. They, like, they Clark Kented him. Yeah. Because like, yeah. He's a, he's a built dude in real life so like dressing dressing him down uh slightly baggier clothes sagging a little bit to make him look like a little bit older uh and just kind of ill-fitting suit kind of schlummy well uh, just his character too is just so cowardly and weaselly it's just yeah. like this is not the action hero I, if you had goldie hawn and meryl streep both coming after you i think you'd be a little intimidated too all the time well yeah. especially if that i thought they were undead that too right well it's interesting this movie's like a precursor because uh zemeckis would go on to produce tales from the crypt and they would produce really 
Wow. This this feels like like a test run for Tales from the Crypt. Huh. Watch it. It feels like an extended episode. Huh. At least to me. Yeah. No, you guys feel that. No, I can see I mean, that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it had that that sort of feel to it. Uh, I mean, to- it, it, it works, uh, I guess, for uh, Zemeckis, um, especially um, because we've been talking about Bruce Willis this past few minutes. Um, Goldie Hawn, when like she, she uh, gets a little unhinged and a little um, little bit extra dead, uh, she really pulls off that like zombie dead girl look. The eyes help. Yeah, and the contacts are good. Yeah. Yeah. Because like it was a different, she, different hue of blue, and yeah. she's like well, they tailed her up because she just got a shotgun shell to the uh, stomach. Yeah. And so lost a lot of blood. So like she looked really undead in the way that she would just move about. Just kind of a little bit unsettling. Yeah, the two of them so brought that up. What's the, uh, I feel the like, overall plot? I was going to say, we feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, what's, the, what's the overall plot of the movie? The, the uh, How do you explain this? So Meryl <laughs> Streep is an, is, is an actress in the 70s who is already like She's not necessarily feeling her age, but she's just she wants to be young forever. And so yeah. 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 Uh, and Goldie Hawn was her, I guess, former friend who that was the best friend. Yeah. Childhood friend. They Childhood uh, friend. basically Meryl Streep was with Bruce Willis. And then um he jilted her for Goldie Hawn. And then years later, it switched again. So he's kind of He's kind of like the patsy throughout this whole thing. Yeah, he he seems very. Yeah, he seems to be a very uh, uh, easily influenced by women. I think he's fine with whatever happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he along for the ride, man. Yeah, he's very. He's also a rich plastic surgeon, so you know. So it is. It is an interesting point that we we can get into later. There are a bunch of deleted scenes where they cover more of his occupation but he had been a successful surgeon and once he starts dating Meryl she brings him to Los Angeles and they uh she turns him into a plastic surgeon because she thinks that's where he's going to be or no he was a plastic surgeon yeah he was a, he, and so I did this switchery too uh he, makes, he somehow leads him to a mortuary I think no what happened no, what happens they established they established that like he, his hands aren't steady anymore so he can't quite do surgery yeah the way he used to this is but like i think i think it's inferred that like his hands became less steady because meryl streep like uh her character like probably uh whittled him down his personality and soul yeah where like he started losing his edge to where he couldn't be a plastic surgeon anymore yeah where he becomes part of a screwball comedy he's he's basically they're both these women are domineering over him so he's just a ball of nerves yeah uh, so there's some time in between Goldie Hawn coming back to reclaim her lost man, and she I gets, think she no, I think it's just crazy. revenge. I think it's just it's entirely just, revenge and like revenge on Meryl. Yeah, so, and like she did, doesn't really care about uh, Bruce Willis's character because like she well, tries to. She has the she, plot with him. Yeah, but too. I think she's just wooing him, and he's a pawn at this point. She yeah, doesn't. Probably, she probably she just wants to win. There, there might be yeah. some love in there, but I, I think it's mostly uh, mostly vindictive. And no, it's all possessiveness on their part. 
Yeah, I guess when he messes up, she's like, okay, why did I fall for yeah. you? Yeah, she uh she gets really snippy with him when he starts like not doing well. Yeah. Even though technically he so he, he did the job. She's not right. She return, she comes to Los Angeles and she hatches this plot where she's gonna kill Meryl Streep as revenge, but she has this idea about poisoning Meryl and she needs Bruce to set it up. And they'll bury the body and no one will no one will know what happened. They'll just call her drunk and she was in a car accident and they'll, they'll frame it as that. And we don't know, or at least they we know, they don't know that Meryl has, in her pursuit for the fountain of youth, discovered this secret underground situation where Isabella Rosalini is part of uh, and provides a potion that will keep her young forever. And her vampire nightclub. Yeah. And got a glowing thing. Yeah. Uh, Fabio is a bodyguard there. Yeah. Was was he Tom, Dick, or Harry? Which I also I thought was hilarious. He's the one that opens the door, so I would assume Tom. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's funny. Those were the names of her bodyguards. Yeah. Um, By the way, not her body. Isabella? Yeah. Catherine Bell from JAG. Oh. Is body double. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, Catherine Bell did that a lot back then. Yeah, she did actually. Yeah. Good to know. Was she the uh, body double in uh, Blue Velvet? <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. She just she only doubles Isabella Rosalind. <laughs> um anyway, this fountain of youth pours over Meryl, and you can tell that she's younger. In some of the more interesting special effects of the movie, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. About I, I was going to ask if you thought they aged well. I was going to say the de aging in this is good. About. Yeah, the de aging that I mean, now we're all used to de aging because of Marvel. Yeah, because you see Michael Douglas in an earlier scene from Ant Man. Yeah, it's, you it's a young Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. But it was all special effects in the, these recent movies. Back then, they did a lot with um, lighting. And makeup was a big mm-hmm. part of it. So they yeah. put they put more contours on their face. They put a little more um, concealer on their face. They make them look a little rosier. I'm sure they they made them look frumpier in the earlier scenes too with makeup. And there, I think, is more of a touching up rather than an entire youthifying wardrobe too. And Goldie Hawn's fat suit. Well, yes. the, the thing is, we are talking about an Oscar-winning yeah. visual effects crew because. They were actually using CGI that they would utilize in their next film. Some of them would move on to do Jurassic Park. Right. So it's not exactly the same, but they utilized the machine that they were a lot of perfected. They developed they, they between the, between the visual effects and you know part of the reason why some of the effects held up for so long is because they were practical. Yeah. Yes. They're all in. An Oscar for those effects too. I've held that Oscar before. Fun fact, because <laughs> one of my uh, friends in college I went to go visit. His dad works for. His dad was um, one of the the creators of the makeup on this show. So, you know, I went out to visit the shop and everything. And I'm sitting in the office, and I see this Oscar on this on the shelf. I'm like, what the hell is that for? <laughs> And they're like, oh, that was for the Death Becomes Her. You want to hold it? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I like held the Oscar for 
for special cool. effects for death becomes her um and like the practical effects and then like the practical effects and the digital effects go hand in hand with this especially with you know there's that scene where um they before they realize that helen who's goalie Hawn's character has also taken the potion um you know meryl convinces Ernest. Oh, Ernest, yes. Uh, Ernest to kill her, so he like takes a shotgun to, the, to her into a pool, and then she pops up, and she's got this big old hole in the middle of her that's still, it's got water flowing out as she's getting out of the pool. Yeah, but it's like right a torso it. shot, so you can tell it's probably a puppet. Yeah. But it looks good. But it's like yeah. matted, so you can actually, it, and it still holds up. There's a couple of shots too where it's not even like that first shot you see through her stomach is the the money shot. But there's other scenes where she's just walking around where she sits down with the shovel going through her. Yeah. That yeah they didn't need to do so well, and it, it still holds up throughout. You know that what? I think this is Zemeckis probably has a logistical geographical mind because he had to do this with um, Roger Rabbit. Is coordinating like special effects with yeah. live action. Mm-hmm. He probably has that mindset that he can map stuff out like that. I'm sure he's, the storyboarding sessions for this were amazing. Some of these people worked on Roger Rabbit as well, so I'm I, I'm sure they had a repartee. I do want to mention before we talk more about the plot, the um, special effects because of the logisticals. Uh, logistics they uh had to maneuver very slowly almost as if Meryl and Goldie were stop-motion puppets themselves so Meryl was quoted and I, I'm pulling this from the Wikipedia article but I know it's from some interview she did around the time she hated having to do that that way and and this is the quote from her uh she vowed to never do special effects again my first my last my only it's I think it, I think it's tedious whatever concentration you can apply to that kind of comedy is just shredded you stand there like a piece of machinery. They should get machinery to do it. I loved how it turned out, but it's not fun to act to a lampstand. Pretend this is Goldie right here. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Bob. She went off the mark by two, five centimeters, and now her head won't match her neck. It was like being at the dentist. I just think that's oh. funny because this is 92, and you hear all the time about, like, you and McGregor, like, I was looking at a tennis ball, and it was Jar Jar. Like, I... Yeah, now is now is the norm. Yeah, and there's that that infamous story about Ian McKellen breaking down on the set of a green screen. He's like, "This is not why I got into this." Right, and it's they probably were on the the set was constructed where that fireplace was and, and the stairs they fall down and yeah, uh, beautiful scenery. At least it's not an entire green screen room. Right. Yeah. It probably would have been easier if it was a green screen room because, like, you, yeah. you'd you'd have to line up the shots exactly yeah. if you have a set environment. Yeah, because like like you just said in the quote, like if you're off by a little bit, it's just game over. Uh, at least with the green screen, like you have the flexibility of like. You can fix it in post. Right. It's I funny. Also, Meryl was like, I'm never doing special effects again. And Bruce was like, let's do more of that. Yeah. Let's, let's do more. Let's do it. I did also read this week. I just happened upon this on Twitter. Someone was posting something from Reddit where uh, the Marvel VFX team was freaking out about their work. 
because they were just commenting to each other about the turnaround that executives always want to see the animatics or what a finished scene will look like. And the time they need is twice as long as they're given. Oh. And then the executives see this half done product and they're like, why does it look shitty? It's like, well, you gave us half the time. We weren't yeah. even started yet. And they're like, this is bad. Why are you doing it faster? And that's their response. So if you're curious why Marvel looks shittier than the old days, it's not just practical effects. It's they give them no time to perfect something they didn't yet really perfect. It's all it's all crunch. Yeah. So so we should probably be less hard on these teams because they're giving less money and less time to do something that they want to do well and they're just exhausted. So so we take it with a grain of salt, I'm sure. Yeah. I think um, you know another reason why not only the effects but this movie itself holds up is you know you don't see a lot of good horror comedy anymore and this was the way that the effects were done in the way like the violence in it is not gory it's like body horror without any gore if that makes any sense like yeah, her, her head gets twisted around she gets shot in the stomach she gets shot in the stomach but it's just like it's a big blood yeah it's a big burnt out hole you don't see splatter zone you don't see like someone getting their face cut open it's it's just yes yeah. well, there's technically guess, blood in the pool but I guess right but it, it's something that like comedy part of the horror comedy yeah because yeah like, it's outlandish the way that the yeah, violence yeah because yeah, it could have gone a lot bloodier with it but and like meryl streep's character is like hanging on the edge of the stairway like there is a, is a comically yeah. long pause right. where she actually goes like help me you idiot and then bruce willis is like eh, yeah folks, down the stairs and die i like that that I was a lens that lens was a long that was a long time hovering it was like she should have fallen by now like i'd, I'd say they pulled it off too yeah. she's upset about the timing i think they still managed to make it worthwhile yeah even in those scenes that must have been the most difficult right yeah um, kudos to her at least <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like we mentioned, he boops her and she falls down the stairs and dies. And apparently as part of this potion, she can't really die. So the youth factor is also a, a um, eternal factor. Yeah. It's a, like the body can die, but she, she will still exist. Yeah. Essentially. They said it's something like seven years or 70 years or something that it might wear off. No, I, I think it's a within a few within x amount of years you should probably yeah. off yourself or disappear so that way It'll you don't like draw attention yeah. yeah you have to live your you live the rest of your existence uh almost in solitude like the, apparently there's a bunch of these celebrities that have taken the potion over the years and they meet up at the uh the, uh, the mansion that yeah. isabella rosalina yeah it's, it's basically almost like a cult but like a, it's a social club too yeah a very elite social club so like you, you can't interact with people just you gotta be really limited yeah but um, like uh they they was a show with andy there. warhol and Mar- yeah, marilyn monroe elvis presley is like some of you all just expose yourself from time to time and like hey it's a little funny, but be careful. <laughs> so yeah, they 
they freak out and we're supposed to be like oh this is a surprise i don't know if it's in the trailer i, I didn't watch that i think it I think i'm it sure it's the selling point of this film it's called death becomes her and so she's clearly alive bruce and meryl freak out they go to the doctor because what else would you do uh because they're in shock and they're like maybe we can twist your head back around and fix it yeah and the doctor is examining her body and he's like okay broken neck and you're what how no what uh broken wrists and you don't feel shit what what's going on there checks her pulse is like you're medically dead you are medically dead and then has a heart attack himself and dies (laughs) liked that bit uh good cameo by the way uh you know who that was right Corey? The doctor? Mm-hmm. Is it Sidney Pollock? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He's actually a really good actor, actually. I recognized the voice and didn't think about it. it is, I don't know. His, his performance is a little fishy. Okay. <laughs> See what I did there? Because of uh, Pollock. Oh, okay. I thought it was a reference to one of his films. No, no, no. But it, I just thought of the fact that he did Out of Africa with Meryl, so they're okay. probably friends. And Hot take, this is better. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I can already tell it's a little schmaltzy. So, uh, so yeah, they they figure out. Well, she's dead. Let's figure out what to do. And I think the best part. Jimmy was listening to this part where Bruce is like, "I guess I'm Frankenstein now," because he gets to tinker around with some sort of corpse, and and he becomes a plastic surgeon again, trying to figure out how to make her look alive. Yeah. Well, he, no, it's a. Uh, uh... Because like over the because uh, over the years he's established uh, earlier in the movie that like uh, he's gotten really good at uh, being like um, a funeral home guy to the point where like one, one of his one of his uh, former clients is like how do you make the the bodies look so lively and he's like yeah just go to spray Home paint. Depot and industrial spray paint and they're just horrified and look hey it works so like he's the guy to go to if you want to keep a dead body looking mm-hmm. young. That was a cameo too, wasn't it? Was somebody? I don't know. Mm. But I saw in the cast that it was it was uh, Mary Ellen Trainer. Oh, a, okay. From Lethal Weapon. Yeah, she's and she's the mom in the Goonies. So I didn't recognize her. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, she, they they really dolled her up. She looked like like a ritzy rich person. Was like, yeah. oh yeah, because yeah. like the way that she was dressed, she just. Um. Good scene, good good stuff. Uh, Almost made me had um, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn done more stuff together because they got really good chemistry. Yeah, they get a, they had good repertoire. It could have been like the Bette Midler, Lily Tomlin of her time. Yeah, maybe they're just too big to be to be in one one movie together. Goldie in the nineties started to fade, and then she pretty much retired after the Banger system. She should have taken an Eternal Youth push. Yeah, because God, for, have you seen her lately? Yeah. Oh Jesus! Yeah. We all know Robert Zemeckis directed this. I didn't. Well, I was gonna say you did. Which didn't. is funny because I I saw I I only saw this movie very recently, um, and I didn't realize it was Zemeckis who directed it. But seeing that, you know, now it it all makes sense. I also didn't realize that it was Bruce Willis all these years. I'm like, because yeah. I it the, this film just existed in my periphery. And I just kind of like glanced at the poster once or twice. And for some reason, I thought that Bruce Willis's character was played by Steve Martin. Because it, it seems like something that he would be in, too. Just like go off the wall. And he but, was a house sitter with Goldie Hawn. So right. he was with her 
recently. They did uh, yeah. counters with her, too. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. But the other thing that I was going to say was apparently during filming, Zemeckis would occasionally say, hold on to your butts. And that's where that phrase came from because whoever no. collaborated with on it for Jurassic Park wrote that into the know. script. Hmm. Well, David Cap. I know yeah. that. Screenwriter David, David Cap and frequent Zemeckis collaborator wrote this as a catchphrase for Samuel L. Jackson at Jurassic Park. That's funny. And it's literally because Meryl's behind herself and couple yeah. her butt. Yeah. She had to walk backwards with a blue screen hood. <laughs> yeah. Um so this film influenced other so things. The weird thing is, for, for, I think the reason you didn't think this was a mega is because it's kind of a, it's a, I don't want to It's not kid-friendly. Yeah, it's not kid-friendly, and it's slight. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, it's a black comedy, yeah. but. Yeah. It's not substantial. It's not something like, this isn't like an impactful movie in his career. Like, like after this. After this, he became like a critical darling because he did stuff like Forrest Gump and then Castaway. Yeah. Um but this is like right on the cusp of him doing like larks because uh, you know back to the future and all that stuff used cars, they're all kind of romps. And then after this, tipped them over into like stuff like contact, little heavier adult theme stuff. Yeah, I think I think they were you can see the through line from Back to the Future 3, this and Forrest Gump, because it's still a little lighthearted, but he's taking on real world events. So then I think he latches onto that. And see it with the next few things he does because contact is like this is the universe. I think I think contact's really the one that pushes him towards that direction. Right. Uh, and 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 he latches into the CGI element of it because yeah. stuff like Beowulf and the yeah, he did mocap for Polar, Polar Express. Yeah. Uh, He's always been a Viz FX guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's almost like watching uh, Coming to America and noticing the first time Eddie does the fat suits. Multiple characters. Makeup, and he loved doing it clearly because then Nutty Professor is just a movie based on that and everything else he almost has a second character from then on. You think it's Nutty Professor but it's really Coming to America. So you think Zemeckis really latches onto the CGI later in his career. It's Death Becomes was probably well, It's like time. James Cameron really got involved with like cgi and that, most of his movies are technology driven now yeah ever since terminator 2 and he's Actually, before that, yeah. Yeah. but I uh, mean, he still utilizes uh like heavy practical effects because like when they did like titanic like he had they had to like reset the set every time they uh sank the ship yeah yeah, I remember th them talking about it in an Entertainment Weekly article in the summer because it had meant to come out that early but would be pushed to November. And they were like, this boat is sinking. It's not going well on set. He's going to lose his career over this. And that saved him. So yeah. the CGI and everything. Uh, I was going to say when you brought up Steve Martin, I didn't know this. Looking into the trivia, the other people that almost played that part Included Kevin Klein and Nick Nolte. I can actually see Nick Nolte playing. Nick it. Nolte would have been interesting. You saw your food. <laughs> he's, uh, too, he's a little rough. Apparently, like Jeff that. Bridges auditioned for it too. I think yeah, Jeff Bridges would have been fun. I think he makes the most sense, and Kevin Klein makes the most sense in the writing standpoint of this. 
He, 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 I could see that. Well, he was originally in it and then he dropped out, I thought. He, he had done Sophie's Choice with Meryl, so it would have been a nice comedic side. <laughs> that wasn't funny. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It would have been a nice didactic. Oh, but this was after uh, Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Is she in that at all? No, 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 but I'm saying uh, he got an Oscar for a comedic role. So sure. Okay. It's natural that they would want him for this. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I could I could see him doing it. I don't know about Jeff Bridges, though. Is he good at light comedy? Big Lebowski. I mean, the Big Lebowski. I don't yeah. know if that's light comedy. Iron Man. Well, that's <laughs> that, was, that was Megaton comedy. You know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could see any of them doing it. I mean, Nick Nolte's doing um, Bridges and Madison County around this point, right? No, it wasn't him. That's not him. Oh, that's Clint. What did he you do? You think of Prince of Tides, maybe? Thank you. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really, that's more of a drama, but he's he's doing lighthearted things. He did uh, I Love Trouble with Joy Roberts around this time, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think any of them could have pulled it off. I just Honestly, think it's fun we got Bruce. I, got, I was going to say, I'm so glad they picked Bruce. I wonder how they persuade him to get do the role, too, because this must, this must have been just his chance to harken back to his comedy days so he jumped mm-hmm. out yeah maybe it's just the money <laughs> maybe he didn't have anything lined up and it's like hey this fits also you see those stars in that director and you're like why would i pass this up yeah giving me a chance to do something with Meryl and goldie yeah that's probably a lot of it uh, uh so we didn't really finish up the plot but it, it pretty much gets into a, a comedy of errors and Body horror plays into it. We mentioned the shotgun blast. Uh, neither of them. Obviously, Goldie has taken the potion as well. And then they have a big cat fight. Uh, cat fight to end all cat fights. And neither of them can die. So it just keeps going. Right. So it's very, very Looney Tunes. Very fun yeah. in that regard. I was uh, half expecting Meryl to show up with a plunger of TNT. and I, I like how the fight's resolved with a very... Uh, very womanly trope where they were where it was like well i i got back at you Fred lately for that reason you're gonna say like, something oh, problematic right now back, like some childhood bullshit and like oh i'm sorry i didn't and then they get back like they they just make up like that they're like best oh friends, we're best friends again we forgive each other we realize we parked you the, car. the force of our anger at each other and acknowledged it Ten. but like Shit got like way too out of hand over their whole entire lives, and it culminated at this point. And like, essentially, uh, they're screwed for eternity because technically they're both dead. Is this their friends again? They couldn't have made up before all this had happened. <laughs> so time will we'll just goes to show that if you have enough time with someone, you can eventually make up. But my thought. <laughs> What's the timeline here? Because there are still these title cards every so often that are like seven years later, another seven years later, 37 years later. So are we to understand that this is over 50 years after? The first like, part, yeah. It's like so 34 which, or something. Yeah. Like they, oh, no, I'm sorry. 37, it was after, because um, you see. It's like 2029. Bruce Willis, yeah. So technically, <laughs> this ends up being a future. <laughs> yeah, but like when the movie takes, you went like, back to the future yeah. with this one. Yeah, uh, the main plot takes place. I think it's supposed to be ninety-two. Uh, 
21 years, I think. No, 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 14? Because it starts in 79. Seven years later when she when she gets into yeah. the psych work. Because it starts off. Seven years after that is when she seeks her revenge. So that's, Okay, 14 years. And they, so. they mention it's like 76 or something. Yeah, 76, so 79. By, by doing that, it lines up with about 91, 92. When we're in present day, when most of the action takes place. And yeah. so then the finale cap is 37 years later, which would be 2029. Yeah, and it's Bruce Willis's funeral. Because he just died of natural causes. And you know what's neat and about like having 78 is when it starts. Re- yeah. Real neat about having the funeral like in a church in 2029. Yeah. There, there's, you're not gonna see much technology when you're at church because you're at church. So nobody's on their phone. Nobody's the like you, they're not gonna know to depict anything. So like this is a safe bet. Yeah. At least he didn't try to cram a payphone in there. It would have been funny if he did some dumb thing where, like, the picture of Bruce on the ski slopes was a hologram or something. Oh, yeah. Or, or you see Marty McFly walk, walk past in the background. Right. Yeah. You see Marty McFly walk past in the background. The right. Twin Pines funeral home. Right. Oh, God. Yeah, the, this is uh, Mecca's first. So before we get to the, the funeral scene that we've uh, mentioned, the, the one last thing that has to happen they realize the two girls that they're going to be in trouble if they don't have someone to spray paint them all the time to make them look alive. So they're like, we have to give him the potion. We have to give Bruce the potion. We can't tell everyone in the world that we're dead or stuck dead. Uh, So if he's in on this, let's bring him to Lyle's mansion and give him the potion, force it on him. And so then it becomes like a madcap escape situation where he doesn't want to be taken in by Isabella Rosalini and because he actually like in a moment oddly touching he realizes trying. the agony of living forever he's like all the people i yeah. know will be dead it's good, it's good. He's, the, he's the straight man in the entire movie he's like this is a no. stupid idea why would i do this yeah. i like that they touch on that because usually in these things it's like interview with a vampire they want to be living forever they want to yeah. see what happens they want to be with their friends forever but then I believe, if I'm correct, in an interview with the vampire, Antonio Banderas is upset because everyone died around him. If, yeah. some, some character in that does. Yeah, they're, they're 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 coming to terms with the uh, immortality, uh, immortality yeah. and like uh, not like oh, who was like it's they're only Lestat and the other one, yeah. the other one. <laughs> uh, they're only a few hundred years old, whereas like uh, Antonio Banderas's character was like. He's from like 50, 70 years earlier. Oh, no, no. I think he's from the Roman era. Oh, or right. the Middle okay, Ages. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like while. way older. Like, uh, uh, oh my God, I can't remember. Lestat and the uh, other guy. Brad Pitt's character. Yeah. Brad Pitt. They, 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 were, they, were made, they were made into vampires. I put us on the spot. Yeah, they were made into the vampires like 17 something, 18 something. So they're Louis. Louis. So barely a couple hundred Louis, years. Yeah, Louis. Yeah. It's Louis. They're barely a couple hundred years old, so like they're they're reaching the point in their their very vampiric lifetimes where they're coming to terms with the uh, immortality and the isolation and uh, yeah, you always think of alone. it after the fact. Which is, so I like yeah, that Bruce. Which is why we get um yeah, Kirsten, yeah. Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Kristen Kirsten 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 Dunst's character. We just got married yesterday. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst's character being turned into a vampire as a child because like uh, one of them took pity on her because mm-hmm. they found her alone with her dead mother who died from the bubonic plague yeah uh so a little creepy but that's okay yeah but then here with bruce willis in this movie he's just like we're right off the bat he's just sitting there like wait i don't want this yeah it, you never get 
and, and it's but it's he used to pick it as an oath throughout the movie. So like this is is nice to know that like the oath has some wisdom. He's smarter but than the geniuses. The the deeper level of that is the fact that he was working as a plastic surgeon and has been, you know, as as Lazel points out, you know, he's been giving people he's been youthening them his entire life and then he's just like why would anyone want this forever not to mention all of the side effects that he doesn't necessarily know about like they're literally falling apart at the seams yeah like when they fall down if you're elvis and you don't (coughs) kill yourself you're doing fine but if you're stuck in the way that madeline and uh helen are you're gonna be in trouble yeah the the, uh we go into the spoilers here uh i think so okay you're does. watching this podcast. Spoilers, sorry. You, yeah, you always like, get weird about like, spoilers. Yeah, We're, this is one of the perks of like talking about movies from the '90s because, like, yeah, sure, so, we've seen it and forgotten it, or like it's just new to us. That's all. Like, yeah. but like, well, there's, anyway, there's been enough time to like. There, we're gonna spoil shit no matter I what. Like, there's been 50, 50 years span in the movie, but um, Ernest's uh, self-sacrifice is. Both tragic and oddly touching. Yeah, I like it. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh, I never thought I would tap into these emotions in this part of the movie. It's very bittersweet. And you're right, he's the only one, he's the wisest one of all three of them. Mm-hmm. You know, initially, he seems like the most clueless. <laughs> yep. Very impressionable. Like, <laughs> impressionable. Man. I like that whole set too. The fact that uh, the house is awful. Awesome. Uh, the the party scene is good. The the underground pool is neat, and it sets it up for him to survive a fall, which is nice. And he falls right through the hand of God. Mm-hmm. So that's oh kind of, yeah, that's kind of funny. Uh, just a little uh thing about uh Bruce Willis's character. It's um, I think. Oh shit! I lost it. Never mind. I will tell you while you try to think, <laughs> while you try to think of what you were going to say when he falls through the pool. Jimmy pointed this out. I didn't even realize a connection to another film we like. Uh, Jim Morrison is the character of this like, are you going to be there for a while? Oh, yeah. yeah. Supposed to be- uh, okay, that's, that's I picked cool. up on that real quick. I'm like, hey, Jim Morrison, we get him again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's following us around. This movie is just the culmination of like, it's going to branch out now for every other mm-hmm. <laughs> celebrity involved movie. <laughs> this and Men in Black sometime five years from now. Yeah. Did you remember where you were? That's not a hidden joke. Uh, I don't know. Oh, we'll talk that. about it backtrack in my head and i just couldn't quite figure out what it was exactly if you think of it later like i think it was something along the lines that like uh oh because because like by the time he died in this movie of old age like he's contributed to uh humanity like significantly uh for an individual person like not so much where he changed global politics but like he contributed um i think the moral of the story is like ultimately you don't need no woman to be your own man in life. You figured that out a little late. That's the moral. Yeah. yeah I would I would have gone with you can still do a lot even if you're mortal. Then yeah. you you know you could have immortality and still no, be he, basically he's, he's, worthless. He, he's a strong independent white man. Oh wait, hold up. I, oh, but they I do make him so he's doing as this it, as it happens, this is a very popular uh cold classic with the lgbtq plus community mm-hmm. that right why i don't, I don't know meryl streep's are, a fucking icon i don't know 
I no, guess I they're considered why. like a couple at the end, right? It's it it got picked up by a number of drag queens because of the dresses that Madeline right. yeah. wear, um, and I'm sure they did some plays on the head behind. They do have very garish um, eyeliner and stuff. Like yeah, that. so it's a little campy too. So I think yeah. it just became a theme. It ended up on RuPaul's Drag Race. There was a whole season where oh. they did a couple of costumes based on the theme of Death Becomes Her. So oh, wow. that's it just cool. got picked up, and now it's just a thing. So it's been discovered yeah. already within that community. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense. I think it's sure. it, it lends itself to be a, a good drag. So, mm. uh, so I, I take it we all like this. Quite yeah, a bit. Um, I would <laughs> say it's 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 gonna sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's macabre throwaway fun. Like this is something that a director's like, I just want to have fun on set. I don't. I don't need a message movie. This Especially is coming off of two big sequels. Right, right, yeah. Like I just want to do something for fun. This, this is this like a pet project. I just want to do. Mm-hmm. But as like a stopgap between those, that big trilogy that he had just finished and going on to more serious stuff, I think this is a, a great diversion. Yeah, and like we said, something people have sort of forgotten about. So right. You like Sweep, Willis, or Han, this is a perfect vehicle to discover that you might not have realized existed. Yeah, I give it a B plus, and like I said, it's one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances mm. of all time. Solid A. Yeah, I'd give it an A as well. Mm. Holds up as much as I was hoping. Yeah. That's all. I was I was gonna give it a lower grade, but after actually like I rewatched part of it this morning, and I'm just uh, probably B plus. What? One of us. Yes, exactly. Because <clears throat> I think I don't know. Initially, I thought it was like a little too campy and over the top, and then I'm like, no, it's it's just the right amount. It's the right camp. Perfect balance. Yeah. As all things, it's fun, and and we don't get enough screwball comedies these days. So not with don't. actors of this caliber. No, no. I mean, no. I to see Robert Downey Jr. actually do something that isn't so heavy-handed, and not to say that Marvel's heavy-handed, but it's become something too big. Oh, I thought you were. Cool. I thought you were referring to Doolittle. Yeah, he did Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was supposed to be a screwball comedy. Uh, yeah, but it helps if there's other actors. Original podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well. So yeah. Cool. Is that Death Became Us? I'll try. I'll try to get through this list as fast as I can. Was July uh, a lot more than June? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I mean, they're all pretty significant. Uh, Eddie Murphy had a comeback this month. Some may say, with Boomerang. Right, was uh, yeah, it was critically lauded, and uh, it's a more um, it's a less silly. Eddie Murphy vehicle. It's about him playing like a womanizer, like a Lothario. And it's, it's actually got a cast of like uh, ingenues that would become bigger stars, like Halle Berry's in it, uh, Chris Rock's in it at one point. He is so, a famous ingenue. Yeah, he's a famous ingenue. <laughs> um, but uh, it, I remember it being pretty good. I don't know how it would hold up now, but it's, it's Eddie playing an adult as opposed to a, a smart aleck. One of my blind spots for Eddie. I got to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, League of Their Own came out this month. Oh, mm. good film. Very good film. Actually, 
Might be Penny Marshall's best film. Aside from Awakenings. Mit, mit. I like this more. Yeah. I think Awakenings is great, but I think this is this is the role that everybody was like, Tom Hanks has range. <laughs> yeah. He can do comedy and drama in the same movie. Mm-hmm. Because there's scenes in it where he has an outburst that are very funny. There's no crying in baseball. Everybody remembers that quote. Honestly. And there's scenes where he's so besoted and drunk, where it's just like you feel <laughs> It's very sorrowful. And like, oh, he can do pathos. Speaking of Bruce Willis, we were talking about the movie he had just done with him last year. What was oh, that? Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah, so he had done stuff like Joe versus the Volcano, Turner and Hooch. He's kind of like a lovable scamp in a couple right, of yeah, years. Yeah. And this is, I think, the point at which he becomes America's dad. Even yes. though he's just becoming like... This is right before career. Philadelphia. And Forrest Gump and Philadelphia are the two Oscar wins back to back. So yes. this is what leads him into that. Those three movies are what define Tom Hanks for sure. So this is the beginning. Absolutely. Those, those, uh, there's pre League of Their Own and then there's post League of Their Own. Absolutely. Like, yeah, this is definitely like the tide turning for him career wise. Mm-hmm. This might I be. I say that those earlier movies are bad. Some of those movies are pretty funny. But I don't know what my favorite Tom Hanks is, but off the top of my head, this might be it. League of Their Own. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's not to shortchange the women in the movie because Gina Davis and Lori Petty are really good. And you Donna's very they're, good. They're very convincing as sisters. And actually, yeah. um, this is one of the few movies where everybody's like, oh, Madonna can act when she wants to. Yeah. It's this and different. Like Shanghai yeah. Surprise and some other garbage. Yeah. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell's actually pretty good. I don't typically yes. like her. She's this is probably the best thing she's done in my so actually this I think I feel like a lot of people forgot about this movie. This could have been a contender for our spotlight of the month, too. Had you ever seen this, uh Jeff? League of their own? Yeah. Years ago. Okay. I wasn't I couldn't tell while you were looking if no no I spoilers or not. Usually I let you guys talk about these things because you have have a a more vibrant memory of them. But no, I remember enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't think we could have done this as our spotlight because it's so famous. Yeah, that's the only reason. So this is like the bad. I think as a general rule of thumb, we can't do anything starring Tom Hanks. Yeah, I think probably. this is a box office smash too. Yeah. Oh, we could if we were doing the 2010s. We would have done that one where he's off in Saudi Arabia. Oh, so, uh, hologram for the king. Hologram for the king is definitely an underrated gem. It's a good movie. Yeah, because it had no release. Absolutely not. I think you and I saw it. Did you, <laughs> and, I saw it? you and I saw it? The non movie? Yeah. Um, hey, a, a big team up movie of action movie juggernauts happened this month. Can you guess what it was? Can, can you guess what the stars were put together? We did Lethal Weapon 3 earlier this year, so it's not that. Well, I wouldn't say Dan Glover's an action hero. Rush Hour? they're not a-list they're b-listers oh young guns steven zagal oh. and chuck norris I don't know. He, you know what he's not far off yeah. but, uh, it's van damme versus dolph lundgren and universal soldier ah nice oh. i didn't know when this came out i knew this was yeah. coming soon. well it's where i talk about movies that you don't identify with the director this is a roland emmerich movie Wow. Did all those disaster movies. Yeah. And actually, uh, it's one of his better movies. 
I think it's a lot of fun. That's Especially if you're a fan of those two actors. Um, the plot is inherently ridiculous. I mean, we know that. They're reanimated corpses who fight each other. <laughs> so it's a... I, it, but. I mean, if you're going into it looking for any kind of realism, you're, you literally walked into the wrong movie. But for action movie, B-movie fun? Yeah. It fits the bill. It launched a franchise, apparently. It did, actually. A weird franchise that had a theatrical movie, two made-for-TV movies, then a reboot movie that brought back the stars, and then another one that's kind of psychedelic in a Kubrick kind of way. Mm. It's a weird franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of a franchise, the second movie in a, fr- in a trilogy of movies that's about to be rebooted, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, yeah. Mm. This was so horribly lackluster compared to the original. Yeah. I don't really? know. Did you guys see it when it came out? Because I saw I, it in theaters, but I saw it on home video and I hated it. I remember seeing it on home video I and I loved video. it because really? it was appropriate age for it, I think. Sure. Then I got terrified. I was terrified of the Las Vegas strip for years after that. <laughs> yeah. Because the kid got electrocuted by the fucking guitar on the or whatever. Whoa, the you know, I forgot about that. You remember yeah. set pieces. You have memory for some of these. Yeah, a hundred foot baby is just crying. I'm like, oh god, what is? And I'm yeah. like, what is this? Ninety two. I was four. Yeah. That got embedded in my memory. I I, <laughs> I remember liking this fine. I remember there there was a moment that I can't think of, but I remember thinking it was a good point to have in a sequel. Something that the dad does yeah. because he's realizing how out of hand this is getting is like, how can this happen a second time? Yeah. And I've done it. I did the same thing out of the same guy twice. You're, you're slowly seeing Rick Moranis like just grow out of wanting to do this. Yeah. 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 This is like, he was like, oh, God, can I retire already? Where's Peter Scolari? Oh. But did he take over? I, I, I do. He's like, the one in the TV show. In the TV show, yeah. Okay. I do like that in, uh, in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, the sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. Versus Which was a great Lost World sequel to Jurassic Park. Um, both involve just as ginormous, ginormous creatures getting tranquilized gunned. Sure. Wait, they drank the baby? Yeah, they drank the baby. Did they drink the baby or did they just get like a big old bottle? Not than I do. No, they 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 totally snipe his ass from a helicopter. (laughs) He gets the bottle later. They had like a yeah, they had like a a missile-sized bottle or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, and once again, like with every other franchise i've seen the sequel first so i saw honey i blew up the kid before i saw honey i shrunk the kids actually you feel about how how you saw in order what how do you feel about the original the original was good i mean i felt in much the same way because i also saw short circuit too before i saw short circuit so i saw the more goofy kid friendly one first so that when i went to the original i'm like this is weird i don't know if i like it because it's not you went in the right order. You shouldn't even watch Short Circuit because it sucks compared to Short Circuit 2. <laughs> Short Circuit 2 is great. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen either, actually. The first one yeah, is so that was military drama. That was my introduction to Michael McKean. And yeah. Fisher Stevens doing an Indian... Yeah, brown face Fisher Stevens. <laughs> you know what? I, for the longest time, I thought he was an actual Indian. Me too. I know, me too. But it was 
It was gonna good now. Say the least, but um, oh, anyway, that's that's when we go back to do the eighties. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I'm just gonna bring this up because this is a uh, Jack Nicholson movie that I don't know if anybody likes. Anybody? If you look at the Rotten Tomatoes, oh. I think it's got like a four percent. Um, I watched it uh, about two months ago, and it is one of the worst comedies I've ever seen. I don't think they even attempt jokes in this. It's called Man Trouble. It's him and Ellen Barkin. He plays, he's the head of a security company that has um, surveillance dogs, and she's being stalked by someone. It tries to be a thriller and a comedy, kind of in the way Man of the Year was. Mm. And it succeeds at neither. Mm. I feel like there are portions in the. This was like before Judd Apatow, so I think there are portions where they're just like improvising the dialogue. They're going completely mm. off script, and it's. I'm sorry to say, Jack can't work miracles when he has no script. It's you know the sad part is, it's a reunion for the five Easy Pieces main uh, players. It's the same writer, director, and star. Oh boy. And that movie's brilliant. And this is garbage. That's my favorite Jack Nicholson. It's a great movie. Five Easy Pieces, not Man Trouble. Five Easy Pieces, not Man Trouble. Um, this is a weird movie. Uh, I guess John Lovitz had two movies out this month. Really? He was had a he had a bigger role in Mom and Dad Save the World. What's the first one? He's in a League of Their Own. Oh, he's, he's right. Up. I forgot about that. He's got some of the funniest uh, stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mom and Dad Save the World, a guy we don't like to talk about anymore. Jeffrey Jones was uh, the main star of this. He was dad. Ooh. Yes. And there are kids on the set in this movie. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, it's a sci-fi comedy. doesn't <laughs> stick to landing. Uh, John Lovitz is the main villain. He's got a shaved head. He kind of looks like Marvin the Martian. Mm-hmm. Um, it it uh, it did nothing at the box office, and it's been uh, rightfully forgotten in the sands of time. Why well, we didn't choose that to hope that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Robin Harris. Does anybody remember Robin Harris, the comedian from? We talked uh, about this back in nineteen ninety because they were supposed to have this happen i think back when we used to do like deaths of celebrities yeah brought his death up yeah he was um if anybody remembers house party he was the father of kid mm-hmm. and uh he passed away during the production of baby's kids which was an animated movie based on his life mm-hmm. and uh they got phase on love to come in and do recording sessions as his character and i don't know what they used of him's and what they used to phase on love, but it's seamless. Mm-hmm. It's the final product. The movie itself's not that great, but as like an epitaph, if you want to watch it for uh, just to remember Robin Harris, it's not. Mm-hmm. Is he in Do the Right Thing? Am I remembering correctly? He, you know, he could be. He, he was he, in a few things back in the early 90s before he passed. I'm going to check on this just to make sure, but I'm pretty sure he's one of the guys that they, that's like sitting against the wall that they come to for advice. Oh, Radio Rahim and all that. Yeah, yeah. They Could they be. walk by the, the three elders. I mm-hmm. think he's one of the elders, but I'm not 100 percent on that. So I'll yeah. cut this out if it's. <laughs> yeah, uh, leave your leave your false trivia there. Yeah, exactly. But 
Now that takes us to poster boy. <clears throat> Perfect. So I can just cut to poster boy if I'm wrong. How dare you? <laughs> you I do it all the time. How dare you? Okay. So it's almost a pop. This thing. thing. Obviously, oh. it's a it's a live action animated crossover. I didn't see anything. Don't worry about it. Um, so they're in front of a blue haunted house. There's some gangster looking fellow with a gun being held back by uh, an animated Marilyn Monroe type. Looks like, you know, just a Jessica Rabbit knockoff. Um, and it looks like there's wee little hands in the bottom of the door frame. I knew you had about something. I was doing this while I was falling asleep last yeah. night. So. So I, was just, I just figured at the beginning of this, I'd make a mush. So you weren't like giving yeah. away right away. There's a, a demon house, like a, a, not a door, door knocker, gargoyle thing right. about the door that's also blurred out. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe that's important. Um, okay. So I'm guessing this is some sort of, oh, and also it looks like the building is either on fire or a portal to another dimension. Um, Bit of so there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, I'm getting. I'm gonna unblur the bottom just so the you purple. Can yeah, the purple suited gent. I'm getting some real. Okay, there's more tunes. Uh, this seems like I feel like this is one of those movies that was definitely meant for adults, but McDonald's got the rights for the toys anyway. <laughs> I mean, it still um, looks pretty cool. It does. Like, it's definitely a lot of, you know. If if the Roger Rabbit folks did more acid, mm -hmm. uh, like they just <laughs> they just cool. kept going and had another round or two. Um, there's like a creepy thing with a pineapple hat. There's a giant gorilla. There's a mohawk. There's a purple dude with whipped cream hair. I don't know. This is definitely. What would you a think the plot of this would be, and b what would you call it? The plot of this is basically Roger Rabbit, but more adult themed, and they come from a portal to hell instead of just existing normally. Like Toontown yeah. is literally through this haunted door. Mm -hmm. hmm. Pretty hot take. And someone had to sacrifice. Like this, when all all of the tunes that were sacrificed to the dip in the first movie. Bore this thing. Uh, it's just all in the same right. universe. Um, and then it's Definitely also just playing off of the idea that people might want to see this because of Roger Rabbit. So yeah, yeah. Or at least right about that. Definitely playing off of this. Um, but it, there's more of like a gangster crime thing with it because this guy's very clearly either in the mafia or undercover in some. I don't think they really established that, but you're kind of close enough. They like it's, it. He says it. Okay. I feel oh, like okay. it's Val Kilmer. It's not Val Kilmer. Or that's a good You'll guess, know. though. Um, yeah, do, you any other ideas? do you have any other ideas about who that is? Because okay, cool, but... Al Pacino. No. Mm -hmm. um, I would love if it was Al Pacino. Brad, <laughs> Brad Pitt. I'm good because I'm going. I'm going oh, over, oh, the, oh, oh. over the hair too. Brad Pitt. No, oh, it's not got Brad. it. He got it. What? Yeah, that's who it he is. It. Holy crap. Yeah, so two movies in a row where it's a ridiculous film. That, that and a ridiculous haircut. 
Yeah, I kind of blurred yeah. out the hair this time so you wouldn't know it immediately because yeah, he has the that he does. It would be funny if Jeff guessed it was a if it was vanilla ice. And I was like, oh, oh that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah, like kind of looks like it. Yeah. So I'll give you this just because you didn't name a name yet, right? But this catchphrase won't have anything. Is it stay tuned? It's not stay tuned. No, oh, but it's speaking of Jeffrey Jones. Hollywood, uh, if she could, and she will. I don't know if you could see this, but like Ralph Bakshi's name is in there. It is. Yeah. Hollywood. I don't think that's going to help him. Yeah. I didn't even bother blurring Ralph's name out. Really? I was on that I didn't expect Jeff to know what this was based on Ralph Bakshi. No. Yes, I, I know. I know. I've seen these characters before. This poster so is like, popular, even if it I, sucks. I thought it was a fever dream. So yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Have you seen it, Tristan? This is the garbage pail kids yeah, movie. Yeah, you're, you're one of the cool kids. Have you seen it? It's not the garbage pail kids movie. I know that much. You're, Jeff, well, you're a whole world well, apart. A whole world apart. I'm not knowing this. What would you call this without Jimmy's hints? It's like my second time dropping the same hint. Uh. Toon World. I don't know. Oh, you got, got half of it. Yeah, uh, it's because now we know it's Brad Pitt. Uh, he looks horribly photoshopped. You should have kept it blurred. It came out of the fire. That oh my god, that looks horrible. It's not good. Yeah. I don't remember it's looking something, something world, never world. Cartoon world. What's, what's, the, colder, what's, what's the opposite of where they are? Clearly, there's a fire behind them. So, what would this be called? Opposite. You already got the point. Ice. Get Brad Pitt, so. I don't know. All right. Ice I'll be, I'll be, yeah. I'll be, put me yeah, out of my misery. Cool world. Cool world. Oh, okay. Getting colder, man. So, by the way, Brad Pitt, not the star of this. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is an animator, if I'm right. I, th- I think Brad Pitt's a star. I don't know. When I watch it, it's... They're co-leads, I think. Gabriel Byrne is in love with his creation, Holly. Wants to fuck her. And he gets sucked into the cool world where she wants to fuck the real-life detective in her world, Brad Pitt. You know what? Oh, wait. You know what? You missed a big plot point that's... Yeah, go ahead. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, the movie starts that- off in live action, okay? With Brad mm-hmm. Pitt coming back from the war... <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets into a motorcycle accident and has a has a he has a PTSD flashback before he goes into court. <laughs> I forgot about that. He goes, medic, medic, get down. And then they go into this. Yeah. This actually sounds no, it's not. So apparently two no. fuck real life humans or else they'll become real. So I think it's Brad Pitt is a tune detective that is supposed yes. to, he's supposed to prevent any sex from happening. He's right? been in, he's been in a coma for years, so he's been in there for a while. I think I don't know how many years because like the time there's no they, there's a time jump, but they don't tell you that. Yeah, because Gabriel Byrne all of a sudden is out. Of, he's animating her in jail. All of a sudden, he's out of jail, and yeah. it's been in a coma for years. It's at least five. It could be ten. Yeah. They don't care. It doesn't really matter because the movie's borderline incoherent. And it's it's way too horny. Yeah. 
I mean, Roger Rabbit was too. If you thought, if you thought Jessica Rabbit uh, made you feel feelings that you never knew as a little boy that you could feel, I know Jimmy will like up it by like a thousand percent. Yeah, Holly is. She's overtly sexual. Yeah, Mm. and if you're curious if she succeeds, there's a real life Kim Basinger in this. So, classic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, classic '90s. Ralph Bashy. It's like, uncomfortable. It's too hardcore for kids, but it's too tame for like fans of Fritz the Cat, so it can't really find a balance. Yeah. They should have gone even further, honestly. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? He said it was a portal to hell. It kind of reminded me of Monkey Bone. Mm. Yeah. I bet that's a better version of this. I'm not really. They both well, talk. Monkey Bone lends itself better because it's stop motion animation instead of two D, sure, two dimensional. So yeah. like the, I've always the, been curious. The world building in that is a uh, more fluid. Also, Tim Burton, right? Kind uh, of. Hen- yeah, know. he produced it. Henry Selleck directed it. Yeah, oh, okay. his guy from Nightmare. Yeah. All right, so I do have another one for you, Jeff. Okay. Uh, this one is a little less unsettling. I don't know. Oh man, Debbie does Dallas. I like how you cropped. Something. So it's literally just a cheerleader posing, Coming pointing at the title. Is this just "But I'm a Cheerleader"? Nope. No. Okay. But I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> this isn't. It's this too isn't late that. to be Heather's. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Cheerleader is wearing a yellow and blue outfit. If that makes any difference, doesn't matter. Uh. Okay. Very sunny though, right? It looks like nighttime to me. Sunnyvale High. I don't know. You're getting there. You took uh, like every hint out of there. That was your hint. Uh, <laughs> that was. Oh, okay. I think I know. You got um, it. He knows what it is. I genuinely. So uh, obviously, you nothing. But would you call this anything? Do you have any idea? What I mean, if the stakes be? were high and your life was on the line, God, you it. Could have it out. Guy. Cheering for Sunnyvale. I don't know. Like bowling for Columbine, but. Oh, God, no. Ornier. Well. <laughs> you could say this movie definitely didn't suck. Oh, God. <laughs> Jimmy, you motherfucker. This, this sunny blow up? I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to. All right. Now you guys are just like feeding me fake hints here. Yeah, are, you, are you going batty over Horizon. You're going to mute us if you're going <laughs> to. At least, at least you're having fun. Yeah, I'm a little. Uh, you know what's uh, you know what's funny though? He might know the title and not know that this is connected to something else. It's quite possible, because I'm terrible. That's why we do this bit. Okay, so I'll put you out of your misery for now. I'll give you another hint. This is the tagline. He knows a sucker when she sees one. Oh boy. Is it a vampire movie? Could be. Okay. Something be. vampire. Oh, it's Buffy, isn't it? I got it. Yeah, he slayed it on that. I, feel like, I saw, I saw the stake, and I'm like, oh, okay. I feel like a lot of people don't even know the movie; they know the show. Yeah, I've seen the movie, but yeah. I have not seen the show. Neither, really? Neither have I. Yeah. Neither have I. I've, I've been watching the movie. I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces because Jen watches it occasionally. Yeah. But like, she doesn't wait for me, so I'll come in every six or seven episodes, and she'll. Yeah. And then just new characters appear, and she tries to explain to me what happened. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I got right. it off eventually. I I liked the movie fine, but it I think improved upon with the show. Yeah, it was definitely 
you know, I don't mind. a good, I mean, a good like precursor. Paul Rubens is great. Yeah, Jason Priestley, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And who who plays Buffy in this? It's uh, Christy Swanson. Yeah, I thought she was pretty good. I think Sarah Michelle Geller is... Uh... The tone's different. Yeah, it's different. So this is I liked her fine, but... This is goofier and... Uh... Yeah, the show's actually more like dramatic. <laughs> yeah, the show's serious. This one's uh, this one's but they're both very camp. But they're both uh, yeah. got this. Oh, no. Yeah, I forgot Donald. Great. I forgot Donald Sutherland was in that too. And yeah. you know who the main vampire is Paul Rubens. Yeah, it's Paul Rubens. No, no, wait, Rucker Hauer. Rucker Hauer. Yeah. Oh right. Oh come on, it's Kiefer Sutherland. You know, no, it's Arquette. the other one. Yeah, Hilary Swank is in this. Yeah, but um, David Arquette. But it's funny that like Kiefer d- did Lost Boys and his dad does Buffy. Buffy yeah, yeah, both yeah, vampires. Right. Movies, like, yeah. A decade apart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd say uh, they're both the uh, products of Joss Whedon. Yeah, he's canceled now. Yeah, at least we got Buffy. Like we can still appreciate his work. Sure. Because it's not just him creating it. Art versus artist. Yeah. Uh, This one was good. Yeah, I like Buffy. Camp extraordinaire. I guess we uh, we moved on to speaking of horror comedies. We, I guess we were talking about it beforehand. We were trying to decide who we would cover because we have three dynamite stars in this. But given the recent uh, trend we've had in the last few episodes of memorializing actors unfortunately uh bruce is almost not with us because he's been diagnosed with aphasia and so he's been forced into retirement well tell people what that is it's a it's a sort of a form of dementia where you can't uh coherently express yourself you can't remember things words specifically so it doesn't help if you're an actor you're not going to be able to remember your lines you can't even express what's going on so you can't say i'm forgetting something uh, so it only obviously get worse uh, for him. It's, it's a huge shame and something no one wants to live with. But uh, we wanted to appreciate Bruce, uh, given that he's he's fading away now, uh, and uh, pick our favorite Bruce films just to get a chance to talk about him. I know we all love Die Hard, but let's not pick. Yeah. That's similar to like Goodfellas. We we can't just go with the, the biggest. It's funny. I like Die Hard, but the Die Hard movies. Um, Everybody likes. I wouldn't, pick, I wouldn't pick that. What's your favorite mm-hmm. Die Hard movie? Is it the is first it one? Okay. The one with Jeremy Irons. That's mine. Yeah, everybody too. says that too. I don't Die know. Hard with a Vengeance is the best one. Everybody says that. Well, two of us have. Yeah. Jeff might not. Whatever. You like live for the one. The one with Justin Long. <laughs> Oh, get out of here! <laughs> it makes too much sense for Jeff, honestly. No, no. Very, very yeah. no I'm kidding. I, I, I am a fan of the first one. Yeah, can't. But uh, for non-diehard films, Unbreakable. He was in a lot of Wes Anderson. I, I'm, I'm just gonna right off the bat, like uh, I'm going Unbreakable. Yeah, mm, that's a good one. Well, I already got a top three. Oh, you already got, yeah, a, already got a top three. Okay, you didn't even need to look at the list. Yeah, I mean, I'm Bruce Willis, come on. He was, in, he was in Over the Hedge, I forgot. Yeah, he's yeah, he was. He's RJ. They're both gone now. Again, like Unbreakable is more, uh, it's a muted, very silent, quiet performance by him. Contemplative. 
mm-hmm. and not some we're used to with him. And it's him as a superhero, which everybody's like, oh man, I can't wait to see Bruce Willis play super. Very yeah. unconventional. And the movie itself, just the movie itself is fantastic. There's so many good ones. <clears throat> That's the thing. You I go guess. through Bruce Willis's filmography yeah. and you're just like, like I, w- I would just throw, like, I would potentially say, uh, what is it? Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. Oh Ooh. yeah. One but of like, yeah. I saw, I saw that so long ago that I remember it left an impression on me. But I don't really remember the movie with all that much clarity. So, yeah. like, so I can't really throw that movie out there as like my favorite Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. But like, um, I'm kind of torn between like his uh, two sci-fi movies, uh, Looper, or oh, yes. oh man, Looper was so good. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that holds the like, fifth element is a classic for me. Those unnecessary prosthetics they put on Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They didn't need to do that. I know it's I know it's a simple choice. It's a popular choice, but he's honestly my favorite part of Pulp Fiction. Okay, I'm I'm being serious about that. Like I like everyone in that, but Christopher Walken starts off that sequence when you want to care about the watch. But the scene with him in the taxi cab, he gets to play. It's all kind of done across a green screen because Tarantino's trying to do. Like no dialogue, confession sort of thing, yeah. and you you're just getting an info dump about what happened. You don't get to see his boxing match, yeah. but from the moment you see him with Ving Rhames when when uh, Jules and uh, John Travolta come in to talk to him, you're Vincent. like, Who is this guy, you want Vincent, you want to see what the boxing match is going to be. But the taxi cab, you get to see him pained that he doesn't follow through on what he's supposed to do, and you know in rewatches how important that scene is it seems boring at first but like he really sells it in that scene there's a lot of scenes where he has no dialogue right like for instance when he goes back to save marcel's mm-hmm. he's choosing which uh, weapon to get mm-hmm. yeah it's incredible and that zed's dead baby yeah not that's the whole movie for, for, yeah, that's for, true that's the coolest line of the movie well this part and um the uh the end scene mm-hmm. in the diner those those are like those, yeah. are, those are the top like yeah 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 tim roth, tim roth is underrated in that film too wow. also yeah i mean in a film full of great performances true so, oh that's yeah he's definitely my favorite in that movie now that, now that i'm talking about it that's gonna be my choice mm-hmm. yeah i was very much a fan of uh he was in moonrise kingdom too mm-hmm. Which that was had, be mine. had an effect on on me. You can have it. So, I'll say Moonrise Kingdom, because I also, you know, going off of the whole discussion we had earlier, I like when he does comedies, even when it's not supposed to be. You know, Wes Anderson is like, it's a comedy, but everybody plays it straight. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, my other choice is Fifth Element. Like, this is a good, like, good combination of comedy and action and yeah. sci-fi, and like, he pulls it off. Yeah. He has good timing in uh, Moonrise Kingdom, by the way. Yeah. Like, you think Bill Murray's going to handle everything when he pops in? Uh, but it's it's Bruce Willis that steals the movie. Yeah. Him and Ed Norton. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he has really good timing with uh, Lulu. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, with, like, his acting, he has more, he has, like, more facial expression in that movie. Um, whereas like all his other like action movies, he has more of a serious, stern, stoic look. But like uh, the Die Hard movies got this element. He's just like, just like, oh come on, really? Again, this is bullshit. I gotta save the day. 
and you like, know it's funny jeff brought it up and i think it's probably dreamworks best animated movie which is over the hedge yes i love yeah. over the hedge yeah. yeah i still listen to that soundtrack to this day Oh, Lost in the Silver Market? It's the, well, yeah, like it was Ben Folds and, um, oh my God, I can't remember the other guy right now, but like it's still Randy one of Newman. the greatest like movie scores ever, like animated or otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's just well done. Well, yeah. You can, you, you can, was, um, voice of baby in a movie. He, that's the look, look who's talking. Yes. Uh, he he yeah. made great cameos in movies like Ocean's Twelve. That's that's the best part of that movie. Player, um, Lego Movie was it two? I think it was two. Um, I saw the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Expendables. Of course, yeah. Expendables. And he, I, I bet a lot of people don't notice he was uh, he was the voice of the main villain in *Beavis and Butthead to America*. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I never seen it. He was in. Um, you, well, Surf Mike's uh, Die Hard movies. Uh, which one? The one where the one where he's like uh, in Russia and he's like, "I'm the James Bond of uh, Plainfield, New Jersey." We don't talk about that. Oh come on, that's like that, the best that, part. We're talking about that movie doesn't exist. It's the only good part. Doesn't exist. Yeah. What Plainfield or? Luckily, that was in the trailer, so we all got to see that. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. forgot he was in Vice. Oh. Yeah. Sing City. No. That's in the fourth one. That's in Jeff's Die Hard. Yes. Where Kevin Smith shows up. Yeah. No, he punch, punched a jet. He punched, does he punch a helicopter in the fifth one? I'm just saying that. Oh, he punched it with a rocket. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the not, unfortunately, the last few years haven't been too kind of Bruce. Yeah. Because we're gonna, we're gonna ignore hello. the uh, cash grab movies because it turns out it was more for his. Medical. I mean, now we know why he was stockpiling yeah. money for this garbage movies. Well, we we also, uh, you know, Tristan and I had an interesting experience a few years ago because we I saw we didn't because he he was doing uh, Misery on Broadway when there was, was that was happening. Uh, I did, yeah. Well, that was the thing because that was a whole thing where everyone was just like shitting on him because he was using an earpiece because he couldn't remember his lines and now we know why right um but we didn't actually get a chance to see the show we went to go see something else that night we went to go see blackbird with uh jeff daniels and michelle williams and after the fact we went to uh like it started to snow or rain or something so we went to sardis which is like across the street and that's one where like they've got all the all the sketches of the all the caricatures of the actors and stuff is that like Broadway restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. So we went upstairs, we're sitting at the table. All of a sudden this like bald guy in a, in a plaid flannel walks by and we all just kind of stop our conversation because Jen was t- telling us some story and we all just stop and look and look at each other. And they're like, is that Bruce Willis? <laughs> He's just like walking over. He was like, you know, buying people, drinks at the bar like trying to talk to people and there was someone there was like a, a velvet rope on the other side and we see this other short woman and we we're like is that Lori Metcalf did, did we just crash the misery cast party <laughs> um but it was just it was cool because it was like you know we were just very close to him just accidentally yeah he didn't come over to us and buy any drinks but yeah we didn't we didn't bother him we were just like this is 
kind of shared eye contact as he walked. Apparently, around. he doesn't like fans. I stole a picture, but you there know, weren't a, there weren't a lot of people there, so we yeah. weren't on or he wasn't bothered by the amount of people there. Yeah, yeah, so that's a couple at the bar and us three, maybe another two at another table. It was very not crowded for. I mean, I think we went on like a Tuesday night or something, so he, it wasn't. He had been upstairs. I think downstairs had been full, and that's why we ended up going upstairs. They're like, you can slip up there and order food up at the bar. So yeah. we lucked into that. But he, uh, I don't know. He seemed like a nice enough guy. Yeah. And I'm glad he got to at least do some Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, and regardless of whether like, uh, the last few years have been, yeah, uh, good. I mean, he. We can all agree he's left behind a huge vault and catalog of great movies. So yeah, hell of a. What do we What do we all land on? I had Pulp Fiction. Jeff had Moonrise Kingdom. What did you two have? And Unbreakable. Yeah. Oh, I was I was kind of having it and going in between uh, Fifth Element and uh, uh, Looper. Yeah. 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 Looper. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth Element because like more. Wider range, like I said, facial expression, so like be- better acting. Like whereas, like uh, Looper, he's kind of that stoic, stern guy that he usually it's, is. It's for but sure. Looper, great yeah, but Lo- Looper is a good movie. But like, if I'm gonna go with like Bruce Willis performance, it's gonna be Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Looper is just Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis, and the performance is really on uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, he's got to mimic Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still a good movie. But it's like, yeah, still one of my favorites. Yeah, good, good choices all around. Also, Sixth Sense. They've never seen. Yeah, it. we didn't even bring up Sixth Sense, and I, I that would have been my third choice. That, I feel like that would, I've never seen it, so. We'll be, uh, so but I know the part is, he gets he used to get lumped in with like the other investors of Planet Hollywood, mm-hmm. like Stallone and Schwarzenegger, who were doing mostly action movies. Like right. you think of those two guys, they're mostly action movies, and yeah, you think of Bruce is doing a lot of action, but. Like just what you said, he's done a lot of drama, comedy, um, horror, like Six Sense. So well, I think like, that's like of those, of those three actors, I think like, he was always deemed the most like critically respectable and versatile. Mm-hmm. Those three guys, because he was able to do a wide range of roles. And yet, he yeah. never got an Oscar nomination. Yeah. What? Yeah. What would he have gotten nominated for? I think he went for it with the story of us. That was probably his Oscar grab. Yeah. And that didn't really hit well enough. No. So, and six cents, <laughs> honestly, he could have gotten something. I mean, if they ever gave out like rewards for action roles, which they never do, Die Hard, like he made that. John McClane is Bruce Willis, so they yeah. could never recast this. Right. Yeah, and that is an iconic character. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure someone's wanted to. Yeah, and they could. I know they were talking about doing a six one before all this came out and they were going to have him bookend the movie and have somebody play a younger John McClane would have been awful. Mm-hmm. Awful. Yeah. You know that that means they're going to try and do like a Reacher type series or something, you know? It's just not going to be the same. You can't, you can't duplicate Bruce Willis. Yeah. It's like the Lethal Weapon TV show. Young McClane. Yeah. It's like, like you know, Indiana Jones is forever going to be Harrison Ford. But you know, if if they did like a, a Die Hard prequel, then it would just have to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the prosthetics again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Not a bad point. But, All right. Just so have to uh, portray uh, uh, Bruce Willis for the rest of his life. Yeah. Right. Um. 
Well, I think uh, I think that was successful. I think we uh, appreciated Bruce Willis's career by highlighting one of his uh, hidden gems. I hope you appreciated this along with us. Uh, next month, we are going to focus on another actor in a uh, what is it? A serial killer drama? I don't want to give it away because it's very twisty. Yeah, it's a bit of a sci-fi comedy, right? Or not sci-fi comedy, sci-fi. Psychological. Okay. So. It's a it's a tongue-in-cheek psychological thriller. Okay. Wait, what's the movie for next month? It's called Raising Pain. It uh, stars John Lithgow. It's Brian De Palma. Now here's the thing. Ooh, I didn't know that. Wait. Yeah. Scarface. Blowout. You know, I don't know about that one. Mm. Untouchables. You ever seen Untouchables? The first Mission Impossible we did. Yep. Hmm. Very excited about this now. Uh, so we'll, we'll be covering that next month. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you want to comment, rate, review, subscribe, give us ideas for future movies. Uh, or just send go, to our, go to our merch store. Or yeah, or just send us money. Just give us yeah. money. Yeah. We, want, we want that. We yeah, want we'll that start money. a Patreon. We'll do, a, we'll do unboxing videos if you want to send us stuff. Okay. I'm not gonna tell you where it is. Just unboxing crappy movies. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, we'll see you next time. Wow.